0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, my name is Miriam. I'm a compulsive overeater. And it is good to see everybody today. Um, I was asked to speak on fairly short notice, which is a good thing because it gave me less time to obsess about what I wanted to say today. It was also a little rough to be asked to speak today. Normally, I love to just come in and be showtime and on and everything's awesome. And here's my fabulous program and um, everything's hunky dory. Everything's not so hunky dory right now. Um and that means I need to be honest and because we are being recorded and there shockingly could be people uh since I'm in the East Bay virtually today rather than home in San Francisco where everybody's pretty sick of all my stories. Um I want to give a little background but I don't really feel like uh doing the whole spiel or food logging today and I can certainly food log with the best of them. Um I'll give you a few stats. I'm 56 years old. Um, I was originally in program in New Jersey in the early 80s when you walked in and they handed you gray sheet. And if you went one tablespoon over your salad oil allotment, you started counting days again. And you got a sponsor and you did everything your sponsor said. And that was how it worked. And that worked for many, many people, including at one point, my father, I have the pleasure of being a second generation compulsive overeater. So I uh, got this disease both through nature and nurture and my own insanity. I never had the opportunity to not know what an addict was, to not know what compulsive food behavior looked like. Um, We had locks around the refrigerator because if The refrigerator wasn't unlocked. There was a chance was unlocked. There was a chance we would wake up to no food in the house. I had a father who uh, was three hundred pounds many times in his life, and we had a tailor who used to call him Murray the Ripper because he was always splitting his seams. And that same father taught me that the most important thing in life was not being a compulsive overeater and not getting fat, and all those things happen, but. Cutting to some of the chase, I'm going to quote from a little bit of the literature and then really talk about what's going on now and what recovery looks like today Uh, from page 16 of the big book, an alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. And for me, in my cups can mean in the food or it can mean in the diet obsession. I am no less lovely when I'm glaring daggers at everyone around me who can eat what I can't eat or when I am starving myself and you know completely in the throes of low blood sugar or when I'm stuffing my face and numbing out everything in the world and have nothing to give anybody. So in my cups, I'm either on a binge waiting to go on a diet or on a diet waiting to go on the binge. Those, though, that was my life prior to this period of recovery. And when I was sort of in the program in the 80s, that was still what I was doing. I never got to a place where a food plan wasn't really just a diet with you know, some God around it um in lieu of the whole food i always just like to quote from uh step two in r12 and 12 and this is why i love the fact that while i am a big book thumper i also love that we have our literature which speaks in our language about the particulars of our disease and uh i'll just quote from the beginning of, of step two Under the compulsion to overeat, many of us have done things no sane person would think of doing. We've driven miles in the dead of night to satisfy a craving for food. We've eaten food that was frozen, burnt, stale, or even dangerously spoiled. We've eaten food off other people's plates, off the floor, and off the ground. We have dug food out of the garbage and eaten it. We have frequently lied about what we have eaten, lied to ourselves and to others because we didn't want to face the truth about what we do when it comes to food. We have stolen food from our friends, family, and employers, as well as from the grocery store. We have also stolen money to buy food. We have eaten beyond the point of being full, beyond the point of being sick of eating. We have continued to overeat, knowing all the while we were disfiguring and maiming our bodies. We have isolated ourselves to eat, damaging our relationships and denying ourselves full social lives. Because of our compulsive eating, we have turned ourselves into objects of ridicule and we have destroyed our health. Then horrified by what we were doing to ourselves with food, we became obsessed with diets. We spent lots of money on weight loss schemes. We bought all sorts of appetite suppressants. We joined diet clubs and fitness centers. Check, 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 check. There is none of those things that have not applied to me at some point. And um, I can just like sometimes if I just want to make it even shorter than that, I came, I saw, I binged. And in 2013, I dieted myself to my top weight, um, which was 191 pounds. I am five foot three and a half. It weren't pretty. I know for many of you, you could look at me and say, hey, that's nothing. I know many people have exceeded that. And my brothers and sisters on the, you know, bulimic and anorexic side would maybe even also find that a good thing. But for me, 191 pounds on my five foot three and a half body at the age of approximately 49, uh, that was rock bottom. Uh, and I lost a lot of weight the wrong way. I went into full-blown, if not anorexia, then certainly compulsive exercise, compulsive dieting, uh, restriction via just the worst behaviors of my life, really did a number on my health to the point that my gut was a mess. I was essentially living on diet soda, sugarless gum, and lean cuisine. And then as with all diet behavior in my life. It stopped working. I took the first compulsive bite and many, 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 many first compulsive bites. Um, I was in Hawaii with my husband, very happy. It was a wonderful time. I had just gotten a new job and I was really excited and there was no reason to binge. And we went out to dinner and they offered me some rolls. uh, And I said uh, the following words, gluten, schmuten, give me the rolls," And started the beginning of my last binge, which went on for for several months to the point that I hadn't put the weight back on yet because I would still teeter back and forth, but I knew it was coming and I was desperate. I was really, really desperate because about this job, um, sugar makes me stupid. And I have learned this over and over and over. And I know some people have a different relationship with sugar than I do. And um, for me, it's just, it it is the alcohol, it is the heroin, it is the drug of choice. And um, if I kept eating sugar, I would not be able to do my job because sugar makes me stupid and makes me do stupid things. And I had to get clean. And I knew, oh, I was waiting there. And I had an Eskimo in my life, somebody I'd known for years and years who was in the program. And whenever I wanted to talk about diets or whenever I wanted to talk to her about exercise, she would remind me that there was a solution. And I came back to the rooms on August 24th, 2014. And I like to say I was very well balanced. I had a chip on both shoulders. I didn't wanna be there. I didn't wanna do the work. I didn't want to give up my sugar. I didn't want to stop, but I didn't want to gain the weight back. And there I was. And I did it. And I was very grateful that that was a meeting that offered newcomers that little time at the end of discussion that some do. And I used that time as a newcomer for my first, you know, 30 days that I was at at that meeting to rant and rave about how much I didn't want to be there. But I didn't pick up. And I did get my first 30 days and 60 and 90. And uh, this year on August 24th, I celebrated uh, six years of continuous abstinence. Continuous abstinence for me, my personal definition is not my food plan. My abstinence is no binging and no lying about food. That doesn't mean I haven't eaten some fairly large quantities. It doesn't mean I haven't played don't ask, don't tell games with certain foods. Um, But it means that I have not lied about it. If I made the choice to eat something, I have, it's not my, in my case, my sponsor, because her and I eat so differently that it wouldn't be productive for either of us for her to know every bite that goes in my mouth. But there is a person in my life who does know that. And i also write everything down. I commit my food the night before. And if I have to make a change on the fly, if I choose to make a change on the fly, I write it down and I report it uh, to quote someone in my neck of the woods. If I nibble it, I scribble it. So uh, I'm just going to bring it back to that amazing day uh, for all of us. I guess it was about nine months ago in March when the world stopped. And they threw us out of our meeting spaces, and in some cases, out of our workspaces. And uh, we had to deal with this reality. And my denial was huge. I, I couldn't. I literally didn't believe that this was happening because I had a life that worked so well. I had a job with a schedule and an exercise routine at my yoga studio. I knew what meetings I was going to, when, everything worked based on that schedule. And the idea that I would have to work different hours, that I wouldn't be able to get out of the house for the better part of the day, that I wouldn't be able to do yoga was devastating. I mean, they practically dragged me out of my workspace, you know, clawing the walls. I was, you know, the I couldn't believe it and I couldn't deal with it and I didn't want to believe it. Uh, And, you know, as my husband likes to say, uh, acceptance is easy until you have something you actually have to accept. Uh, So I came home. I was working in a food and beverage environment at the airport. And starting at the end of March, I was home on WebEx most of the day. For the first two months, we did uh, team building. And then I was suddenly thrust into a role in customer service. And for four months, I took customer service calls. It was very hard for me. There was a lot to learn. I didn't like it. And what I said on day one of that lockdown, and I will say it again today, I am more scared of my refrigerator than I am of COVID. COVID still, in spite of the deaths and every horror story I've heard, I have been grateful and lucky that I have not been personally affected, no one I know personally, I mean, people in the program, but it's just not real to me. This horrible disease is not real to me. My horrible compulsive overeating disorder is real to me. My refrigerator in that kitchen, you know, less than, you know, a minute away from here is real to me. And when I, you know, some people sometimes say, well, how do you know you're binging? You know, what does a binge look like? And to quote uh, a Supreme Court justice, it's like pornography, you know it when you see it. And I know I'm binging when I'm going back and forth and back and forth and then maybe out to get more and then replacing what I ate. Uh, when they talk about the lying, I am certainly one of those people who would eat the pint of ice cream and then get another ice cream and make sure it was eaten down to where that pint had been. So nobody would know that I had eaten the rest of that pint. Um, I've done all those things. And that's what binging would look like to me. And I was able to stay home and not binge by the grace of God, by this program, I'll talk about tools, I'll talk about Zoom meetings. I hated Zoom meetings at first. I still find them a little awkward. Um, I miss hugs. I miss um, people. Um, I find it really uncomfortable. Like when we're doing introductions and people are s- jumping in over each other, it just drives me crazy. I have misophonia when people are saying, uh, you know, I put my hand and everybody's slightly off sync. I have to mute it cause I can't just, my head wants to explode. But the bottom line is I went to meetings. I went to meetings every day. Sometimes I went to multiple meetings and multiple fellowships every day, um, I did what it took not to march back and forth to that refrigerator. Um, I am blessed with a wonderful sponsor. I got my sponsor about a few weeks into coming back. Um, I asked her to be my temporary sponsor because she wasn't available to be a sponsor. So I always say, if you see someone or you hear someone and they don't put their hand up, screw it. Ask them anyway. Say you'll be a temp. you'll, you'll only ask them to be a temp because I asked her to be a temp and we're together five and a half years later. And it doesn't have to be someone who has a perfect program, who has a perfect body, who is your exact equal. My sponsor is somebody, uh, who had a very different path than me. She, her path involved, you know, anorexia and bulimia. That's my five. Wow. See, um, So she and I, I don't necessarily talk to physically to her every day. I leave a message for her every day. Early on, she discovered that I was still indulging in compulsive exercise. I would go to the gym and then go to yoga or I would uh, do a run and then lift weights. And she heard, and, and I tried to sneak that by her. Like that was no big deal. And she has an excellent bullshit detector. Get yourself a sponsor who has a good bullshit detector. Because um, I don't know about you, but I am the queen of bullshit. And she was like, whoa, 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 So now I uh, bookend my exercise. I tell her what I've done and that I'm done exercising for the day. Uh, we do talk about once a month. She has taken me through the steps, through the 12 and 12, um, and then sent me back to do them again when different compulsive behaviors came up. And the last thing that I want to say to get real current in the brief time I have left is that uh, Tradition 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name will never be drawn into public controversy. OA has no opinion on outside issues. Miriam has lots of opinions on outside issues, including, you know, good food plans. And um, I'll, I'll just in general say current events, politics, and those opinions have been driving me batshit crazy Uh, for approximately the last two months when everything supposedly got better. I drove myself crazy, obsessing as much and indulging in obsessive media, looking at behavior to the same extent that I would once indulge in shoving food in my face Um, or dieting with exactly the same effect. I spent Thanksgiving Day doubled over with a case of vertigo uh, that I tried to go to work with, by the way, because I was so obsessed with current events that I would stay up all night. Um, I had exhaustion. And when I'm exhausted, I'm very prone to vertigo. So I am fully capable of indulging in compulsive behavior That has nothing to do with food, but is equally part of my disease. And again, God bless my sponsor. She sent me back to specifically step uh, 10 prayer and meditation. I have a God box just out of frame there that includes uh, pictures of many deities um, because, you know, um, I'll take help anywhere I can get it. Uh, You know, Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Ganesh, Saint Anthony, Saint Michael anyone you got, you know, why have one imaginary friend when you can have many? Um, And I'm not saying that anybody's higher power is an imaginary friend. I'm just saying I will embrace any tradition at any time that will help me. And um, my meditation practice had gone right out the window. Um, And I had a meditation practice that was sort of centered in my yoga practice and the Shambhala tradition. And what I've done to reinvigorate that is just gone to the interwebs, I've downloaded calm. Um, and I'm currently doing different guided meditations to just try and get some focus back into my life. And I will finish up with the last one or two minutes to say hello newcomers if you're out there. And also remember today is twelve-twelve 12 day. Um, so to anybody who's in relapse, in the program or has had many years in the program and feels that you're struggling right now with body image, with how a benevolent higher power lets bad things happen to us or whatever it is that makes you feel that the program's not working or you're not working the program or you're unworthy. Um, We are all children of God. Anyone can work this program An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature and whatever you're doing, that's making you feel like an unlovely creature. And I have felt that as recently as this morning, you don't have to do that anymore. Um, Your higher power loves you. Even if I've never laid eyes on you before, if you're in this program and you're suffering with this disease, I love you. And I talked a little bit about my father. My father died in and of this disease, in my opinion, and God willing, one day at a time, I don't have to, and neither do you. Thank you.